So Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word and your truth that reigns, that your presence is seen, Father, throughout all history and uh, the future. And so we just, Lord, as we look into your word, just give us the strength, give me the strength, give me the words and the focus to stay along the lines that you have given me, Lord. And may all glory and honor be yours and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are at the very end of my three-part series in the judgment seats where we had talked about the judgment seat of earth and just looked at the, the crucifixion before the crucifixion of Jesus when Pilate sat in the judgment seat. And what, did that, what does that look like? And then we looked at uh, two weeks ago looked at the judgment seat of Christ and just what that, uh, what that entails, what's going to happen there. And like I said, I, I had stepped out a little bit instead of focusing on what he had given me. So we're going to stick to the Lord's plan tonight because the Lord's plan is perfect. Much better than anything I could do. So we're, uh, we're going to kind of look at and circle around Revelation 20 uh, verses 11 through 15. So Revelation 20 starts with Satan being bound for a thousand years. And then it goes into in verse 4 where the saints reign with Christ for a thousand years without Satan in the world, without supposed sin or being tempted by Satan. Then we go to 7 to 10. Satan is released, gathers everybody, and, and it's crushed by the Lord. And here we are at the end of verse 20, the great white throne judgment. And, uh, you, you know, growing up as Southern Baptist, this was like the penultimate punishment and fear, you know, and, and this is fire, this is brimstone, this is all that you're getting. And, and, for, and that was kind of the, you don't want to be here kind of thing. And, it, you know, their, their scare tactic to accept Jesus. You know, so we'll read, we'll read it and then kind of just get into what, what it looks like. And I call this the judgment seat of eternity because this is what, at this point, at the very end of this chapter, time stops and eternity begins. So verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, great, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this is it, and I believe that right there at the end of that is the end of time, because then the Lord brings in the new heaven. He brings in the new earth and is ushering in a time of n without sin. So I think time ends right there and eternity begins. You know. But so, reading this, right, 
And we are just reading this, and we're going to read it without more or less theology, but look at what the facts state about the great white throne judgment. Okay? And so God will sit in judgment. You know, we see the dead standing before God. Okay, and books are open, and another book was open, which is a book of life. So there's multiple books here. There's the books which I'm surmising that these are the books of our sin, good, bad, indifference, the books of our life. And then there's the book of life, which is Jesus Christ's book. Okay, but God will sit in judgment at the great white throne judgment. And the nice thing is, in 1 Peter 1.17... 1 Peter 1.17 says, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. So God is going to sit at the great white throne judgment and without partiality judge us. Period. And then if you go to Romans 2.16... And in Romans 2.16, it says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So by, he will find out all the secrets through Jesus Christ, and without partiality, judge them. And so then if we go back even to John 5, through 30. And here we have Jesus saying, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man." Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So, In order to be judged, they need to be resurrected. And at the judgment, you will either be resurrected to life or you will be resurrected to condemnation. So life and death at this resurrection, at this judgment. And then one of the absolute certainties, just like at the judgment seat of Christ, is that the Father and the Holy Spirit will be present. 
And so just here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will be present at the great white throne judgment because all judgment is given into Christ's hands and no one comes to the Father except by the Son. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there is no getting to the Father. There is no getting to the end of time without coming through Jesus. And so we say, well, Christ had the judgment seat. He's already done the judging. What's, his, what's the point of him being here now? And the fact is, in Romans 14, verses 7 through 13, <clears throat> Jesus Christ has every right to be at the great white throne judgment. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, we live or die. We are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So he has every right to be at the judgment seat of Christ and at the great white throne judgment because he is Lord of both the living and the dead. And so as we saw in Revelation 20, he is, the dead will be there, small and great, standing before God and their books will be opened. And so if we go then to Matthew, 7 verse 22 so it's three and one separate entities but together as one they are they will be there standing and what will Jesus be doing and I believe he will be bearing witness he will be bearing witness against the dead Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then in verse 23, And I, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, there's instances in the Bible where people, you know, call out and try to, to deliver demons, you know. And, it, and for some of them it didn't go well. The, the one uh, where a group of men tried to, to deliver a demon and, and, the, and the demon said, I know, G I know the name of Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you, and proceeds to then beat the living tar out of them. And there will be people, you know, because Jesus' name is truth. Jesus' name is power. And because Jesus and God will it, his name will be used to bring healing, to bring all that. But, 
But those that were doing that, it, they don't know Jesus. You know, and that's kind of, a, that, that should make you think. That should make you look deeper, look into yourself and make sure that you are, you, you know, that you don't just have a head knowledge of who Christ is, right? Because many people can confuse a head knowledge versus a heart change with Jesus. You know, yes, I know I'm a sinner. Yes, I know I need Jesus. Yes, I think I, um, I'm, I know he's my savior. But if you haven't truly accepted him, you know, and had that heart change, I'm going to argue that you're not saved. The heart change and the confirmation of the Holy Spirit working in your life, conviction, the power, all that, that's confirmation that you know Jesus. And if that's not happening in your life, I would take a very hard look at what it comes down to. You know, and I am not the first, but I will tell you that for years and years and years, I would, every time a pastor, when I sat in church, was like, and who wants to be saved? Raise your hand. My hand would go up. I've been saved probably no less than a hundred times. <laughs> no less than a hundred times. And it wasn't until I truly surrendered, truly accepted it and received the confirmation of the Holy Spirit working in my, in my life, not just the, the thinking and feeling of, oh, I want to be a good person, but the actual physical manifestation and results of the Holy Spirit in my life, did I realize that I am saved? And from that moment on, once I realized that, there was no, hey, if you want to, you know, do you want to be saved? Do you, do you feel the need to raise your, raise your hand? I felt no need. I was completely and utterly confident that I've been saved. And I believe that to this day. So, hence why I'm standing in front of you. If I didn't, I wouldn't. But, that's the danger, right? He will be bearing witness, and by all secrets will be revealed by Jesus Christ. He will say that he will, he will be able to tell his own. The shepherd knows his own. So if you're not his own, regardless of whatever miracles, you know, and I'm not saying Benny Hinn isn't a Christian, but that's a very real possibility, right, of, of those televangelists that are just out there saying, Jesus is going to do this for you, or in Jesus' name be healed, right? Those are, you know, just an easy target to say there's potential that they're of that such ilk where they'll stand before the Lord and be like, Lord, we, we healed in your name. We did wonders in your name. And he'll be like, no, that was just my name being the wonder. I don't know who you are. Revelation 3, 4 through 5. And, and, uh, and this is the dead church. And he says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Jesus is going to bear witness. 
And so that leads me to my aha moment, right? I always ask the Lord, you know, why am I teaching this? Why am I teaching this? You know, and, you know, he didn't, he gave me glimpses of it as I talked on the judgment seat of earth and I talked about the Christ judgment seat. And now as I got here, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'm wrapping it up. What's your grand finale? What's your big point in this? Why am I teaching on this? You know, because, you know, especially when you deal with revelation, you can go, that's a lot of theology that's, that's thrown a lot around and a lot of disagreements and arguments and discussion happens in, in, around revelation. And, and I said, Lord, I am by no means a scholar or educated enough to even hold a decent conversation about the theology surrounding this. And then it just kind of, he just kind of came to me and he said, when you look at the two judgment seats, right? So when we look at Christ's judgment seat and we look at the great white throne judgment, righteousness comes from, righteousness comes from it, comes from both seats. True judgment comes from it, okay? This is without partiality, truth, okay? That's what comes out of it. And he said, this is what I want you to understand. This is what I want you to realize is that if you read, if you read those verses and you read the verses and go back through the verses that I talked about at Christ's judgment seat, where does it talk about things mattering? What matters when it comes to these two judgments. You know, it doesn't matter if you believe that there's one or two judgments. It doesn't matter, you know, who's at the judgment seats. It doesn't matter what your sins are. It doesn't matter where you believe and how often you need to take communion. You know, doesn't say anything about the importance of baptisms at any of these judgments, that's not what it talks about. He said, the only thing that matters at these judgments is Jesus Christ. That's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can surmise all you want. You can, you, you know, who's going to stand before the judgment, you know, if, the, if Christians are going to be standing at the great white throne judgment or not. Or if it's just going to be the dead and they're going to be, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. From beginning of time. So I might argue that the beginning of time was the first sin when death came into play and so time sort of began, right? To the end of time, right here at the great white throne judgment where eternity is determined. The second death is determined or you're going on. 
time ends there. And at the beginning and at the end and everywhere in between has been Jesus. It is pointed to Jesus. It is knowing Jesus. And you go, well, yeah, duh. And it was kind of like a, yeah, duh. But at the same moment, it was, whoa. It is all about Jesus. It is all about, it's not about where we believe the judgments happen. You know, who goes where, you know, what, you know, um, communion, anything like that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The end question is, the end question is, do you know Jesus? And it, like, even again, you know, it, it, it just, it brought to, to, to mind that common, common verse that everybody knows, that everybody can recite, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, though, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's it. That's the secret right there. That's the secret. Easiest secret. And it's not a secret because everybody knows this verse. It's plastered everywhere. And honestly, that's just like God. He has not kept secrets. When it has come to the most important things, to our salvation, to our safety, to our peace, all of it has always been about our salvation. And it has been about Jesus. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Ba-ding! Light bulb. And I just sat there and was like, wow. Wow. It was something. It was something. 1 Corinthians 3... 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 15. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than, which, than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Again, it's all about Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, 
straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And to me, that verse just drove home the point. It doesn't matter your works. Not a thing. Not a lick. It doesn't matter. It only matters. The only salvation you will have is that you know Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Because they will all be tested through fire. You know, I was kind of talk I was talking to my dad about this and just saying, you know, the revelation and you know, what kind of works will be tested and, and stand the test of fire. And and you know, I I kind of used the uh the church setting up chairs because that's what I used to do and tear down chairs. And and I said, you know, you know, someone who does the chairs just because it's what they do, right? It's what they, you know. Eh, it's expected of me, I'm young, I should do it, um, kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that, when it's put in that fire, that's going to disappear. But if somebody says, I'm doing these chairs, Lord, for you, because this is going to help your church, this is going to take, you know, save some time for somebody, for, for your glory, for your glory, that, as silly and as ridiculous as it sounds, right? Because somebody has done it for God's glory, for Him, that's going to build on that foundation that they talk about in Corinthians. That's going to stand the fire. That, you would think, you're, such a small thing will receive a crown in heaven for that. But regardless of it, even if you only got one, it doesn't matter. At the end, you will only be saved and you will come through the fire with Christ. And, and I just, I, I had to thank the Lord for that. <laughs> that such simple secrets weren't so secret, weren't so hidden, but I had to thank him that even the most common verse, the most common verse, I had revelation in the most common verse that, is, that I have seen countless times. And that no matter what judgment I will go through, here on earth, no matter what judgment I will stand before Christ or I will stand at the judgment seat, it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is that I know my Savior and that He will stand before His Father and He will speak my name. He will know my name. 
Because no matter how well I've spoken his name before you guys and before the world, before men, I have confessed, I have preached that he and he alone is my salvation. He is the way to salvation. And at the end of time, he is the only thing that mattered. The only thing that mattered. And I praise the Lord that that revelation still carries weight in my heart. Still carries weight in my life that at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is my salvation and alone. That will get me through the fire and I will see life. I will not be counted among the dead. I will not have anything counted against me because he will find on page, and I've said this before, page 324 of the book of life, my name will be scrawled in there. I hope it's 324, Lord. If you can move it to that, that'd be great. And then I can tell everybody, see, I told you so. (laughs) But regardless of what page it's on, my name is in that book because the sheep, the shepherd knows his sheep and I know his voice. And so forget the theology that surrounds this. It's all circumstantial. It doesn't play one iota. One iota, it doesn't matter. Because in the end, it's all about Jesus. And do you know him? And will he know you? Lord, I thank you that that revelation that you gave me that I was able to share with them, that it just drives home the amazingness of who you are the perfect plan you put into effect. And that through all history, from the beginning of time to the end of time, you are there through it all. And that my salvation is secured by the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So all praise and glory and honor is yours and yours alone, O Father. And I look forward to the day that I stand before you to just hear those sweet lips that have spoken nothing but love over my life to hear them say my name in love and in recognition and I thank you in Jesus name Amen